Hello, good people. Welcome to the Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. My brothers and sisters, thanks so much for being with us. i got to share a mind-blowing quote with you right now, okay? I was reading this book by Cardinal Cantilla Mesa, and it's about ascending the spiritual Mount Sinai. So climbing up the mountain to God. And he said, he quoted this guy, Angelus Silesius. I have no idea who that is. But whoever you are, if you're watching, Angelus, you're amazing. He wrote, I am a mountain in God. I must climb up me so that he might disclose his dear face to me. Okay, think about that for the rest of the month. I am a mountain in God. All the experiences you have. All the, even the vices you deal with, the wounds that you have, the, the, the long journey up to where you find God, and then you keep growing with him more and more. All those things, that, that's the mountain that is you, the mountain that is your life experience. Sometimes we experience things that are really tough, or, or we have falls and setbacks, and we think, I'm abandoned by God. No, 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 that's all part of the climb, and he's calling you to himself. And I love talking to people about their climb to God. Because as, as I do that, as I learn about conversion stories and people coming to the faith and continuing to grow after they come to a relationship with Jesus, I see the grace of God at work, and it helps me appreciate that grace at work in my own life. So we've got a beautiful and amazing conversion story for you. Sorry, I'm laughing. I, I just told Jeremy, I'm like, and that's the end of the show. That's a wrap. He's like, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was, I mean, that was so profound. Where do you go from there, Jeremy? You don't. When the intro is that good, it's, you just drop the mic right. and you leave the, the, the set. Joining me, the, the most handsome Protestant pastor to convert to Catholicism, Jeremy Rivera. Uh, but I, I want to dive into his conversion to the person of Jesus. You know, he came to a deep relationship with the Lord. Uh, after that, he became a Protestant pastor. After that, he became a Catholic. What, a, what an incredible journey. And through that entire journey, came to find himself more and more, came to find Jesus more and more deeply. Uh, so as I talk to him, I want to just allow you, as always, the reason this is live is because we're here for you. Feel free to break into our conversation. Text us at 720-650-0100. Cool. Love you guys. That's really, I, I, I love the people who watch this show. I'm always so excited to talk to them. Dude, before we get into the, to the journey to the Catholic Church, what brought you to Jesus in the first place? Tell us about your your, your <clears throat> conversion story. Sure, I think uh, you know, I, like I, I told you earlier, was um, I was raised in a quasi Catholic family. I mean, my dad was not Catholic, my mom was. So God bless her. You know, she did the best she could. You know, I don't think there was a whole lot of formation there, but it was dragging my brother and I, my older brother and I, to mass yep. on Sunday mornings, kind of going through it, kind of checking the boxes. And yeah. so I was, you know, I was confirmed. I got kicked out of confirmation as a junior. And I you was, were one of those kids. Yeah, and I was, and I was confirmed. Well, why were you kicked out? <laughs> you know, I was asking uh, a lot of questions, a lot of too tough of questions. I no, guess. But, they but kicked a, you out for that? But in a divisive way. It was, okay, my, my, okay. I was kind of a punk, so. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, so, so I think every, every kid, every person has those you know, those kind of defining moments, there's maybe a handful or a few. And I had, I had a couple of those, mm. you know, as a child. And so I think the seeds were planted. But as soon as I left the house at 18 and went to CU Boulder with no formation, no Bible, no yeah. community, I so quickly you, got So you had some yeah. of the, the stuff where you're going through the motions, but no interior 
relationship with the Lord. Yeah, not at all. It was just like, go check this box. Right. And so I think a lot of people experience Catholicism that way. Yeah, you get kind of this, like Jeff Caven says, this pile of Catholicism and you don't know how it fits together or what the purpose of everything is. You yeah. know it's important. You'd probably defend being Catholic, but you wouldn't really know yeah. the person of Jesus in a, yeah. in a relational way. So see you, Boulder, with yeah. no relationship with Jesus. Yeah, uh, that's not going to go well, man. <laughs> right. I mean, no, no offense to you people who are see you, Boulder, with no relationship yeah. with Jesus. But not to mention just a lot of, I, I think, more like emotional brokenness. You know, my parents mm-hmm. were divorced when I was about seven or eight. It took a long time to heal from that. Um, sexual promiscuity had started in high school. Just really kind of looking for love and affirmation yeah. in all the wrong places. Which, you know? contrary to popular belief, is is actually not liberating. For a teenage kid right. yeah. to sleep around. Uh, okay, so you find yourself in CU Boulder. Uh, Join, um, joined a fraternity right away. Uh, yeah. Some great guys. My, my roommate and I both rushed the, the Pike House at CU Boulder, and, and uh, you know, uh, friends with a lot of them to this day. Great, great guys. But, yeah. but like I said, when you're when you're 19, 18 years old, and you're mm-hmm. looking for love in the wrong places, that just leads to to stuff that's not healthy. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so what? Uh, what was rock bottom for you, and what what brought you from that? I guess kind of <clears throat> yeah. Party well, you life know, I I joke Lord. with you that like this is like the fourth or fifth time the Lord's had to kill the fatted calf. You know, yeah. <laughs> meaning meaning there are lots of conversions in a people in a person's life. It's mm. very rarely one and done. Mm. You know, and that's what I've had to learn over time. You know, I I, I kind of wish you'd be done. That's right? Sometimes, yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah, so I, that freshman year I got a girl pregnant, um, didn't know her real well. And that was really the first time in my life uh, that I really needed God to be true. You know, it's one thing when you to believe in God when you don't need it to be true, as my best friend writes in his book. Um, you know, he says, but it's another thing when everything is writing on it. And so mm. when when you're 18 and you got a girl pregnant and you're scared, you get on your knees and you pray. <laughs> so you weren't so, so away from God that your you know that your instant reaction would have been. Go have an no, abortion. No. Be done well, with actually, this. that was my instant reaction. Wow. We scheduled an abortion. It was on. It was on the schedule, and then from the time we scheduled it to that happening, I had a major uh, conversion to Christ. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. You got so many powerful. chills here in that. You know, but but was kind of that, tragic. That was also, though. God acting in the life of that child. Absolutely. At the same time. Absolutely. But like you know, I always encourage parents who have wayward children that are away from the church or whatever, and. I always tell them, like, the sacraments are kind of like a spiritual yo-yo, you know? It's like mm. it brings you back. And so when that happened in my life, I did go back to St. Thomas Aquinas Parish and wow. went to Mass. And unfortunately, you know, at the time, there was no, there was no focus. There was no fellowship of Catholic University yeah. students. The priest was busy. I tried to talk to him after Mass. He right. said, son, can you come back? And I was in a really hurting place. And mm. I remember walking away from the parish that day and just having this sense of God telling me, in a sense, like, I was his son, and he was going to take care of me in the midst of the crises. And so even though I was a bit in a panic, you know. Yeah, and even though the, the people ministering to you were failing in that moment, the in Lord moment, himself was acting. Yeah, I mean, you know, pre- whatever. I'm not ju- blaming a priest or judging no, no, anybody. Sure. But but I will say, like, if the church isn't going to do what we're, our deepest identity is, which is to share the faith, then then he'll bring other people out of the woodwork to do it. And that's what yeah. happened. I went to the gym. A guy started sharing his faith with me and invited me to a Bible study. Wow. I was in a sociology class. A guy started testifying to the fact that he was a Christian. He said, I'm going to stay after class. Somebody wants to talk to me about my faith. I stayed after class. Mm. And so I went to that Bible study and just had a very powerful encounter with the Lord. For me, it was very night and day, 180 degree, black and white change. Okay. It was 
I want to tell yeah. you the verse that yes. I read. Yeah, tell me the verse and like what what did that feel like in that moment? I mean, well, that's a big that's a yeah, big statement. Yeah, well, I mean, you're coming in carrying a huge weight yeah. and a burden. And I read in Romans chapter 5 verse 7 that um, but God poured forth his his spirit and basically what does Romans 5 7 say? It's uh I know, you become a Protestant, you become a Catholic, <laughs> and now you're forgetting. And now I'm forgetting. It's horrible. <laughs> that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm. That's what it says. Yes. That while, while, we, while, while we were, were enemies, yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, he died for he us. He died for the ungodly. Uh, yes. And if, and if, yeah, yeah. And if there was anything I was sure of in that moment is that I was ungodly. Yeah. But it was the he first He proved time. his love for us in this, that while we, we were, were yet, yet sinners, sinners, he died for yes. us. It's the ultimate, God yeah. couldn't, literally couldn't do more than he did to prove his love. Yep. And all this power. Yep. So it was in that moment of just, I had this vision of like Christ on the cross. We have a crucifix here. And I was out like wandering the back roads. Mm-hmm. And I just saw the suffering of Jesus. And he, and he was saying, this is, you know, I didn't see this like mystically. Mm-hmm. But the vision in my heart was Jesus suffering and taking the nails and the thorns mm-hmm. and, the, and the crown of thorns and saying, he's going to come back. Wow. So Praise yeah. the Lord. He loves you, man. I know. I know he does, but that was that was the vision, and that was what made me turn into a puddle of snot and tears at the Bible study. <laughs> That's awesome. People were tripping out like, "Is this guy okay?" You know, and I was just heaving. Like I just had a lot of a lot of sin to repent from, and a lot of sorrow, especially with this girl having you know a child. And so and so, I'm in the midst of it. So the first thing I did is I called her, and and uh, she went to CSU. I went to see you. And she came down, and um, I begged her right then and there to have the baby, you know. How and the other, the what was her response to that? Her response was, at first was positive. Like, if you're willing to, I'm willing to, you know. And the problem was that we weren't really dating. We hadn't yeah. been in a long-standing relationship. Yeah. Um, the other thing was that I called my mom. I was ready to call my mom, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to tell my mom this, but i got to call my mom. And as, as moms are prone to do and have some kind of weird mom intuition, before I could even say the words, my mom goes, you got to go pregnant. I'm not kidding. Wow. And I'm just like, yep. <laughs> my, okay, so my wife would read my son's mind so frequently that she's like, well, we actually have a camera in the basement where just we're watching. Out. He's like, no. She's like, no, we, we didn't. We actually, yeah. we let it go for like a week right. where she really believed her. So it's anyway, a, it's a anyway grace. my it's mom, a you know, my mom came up, took me to lunch. She said, Jeremy, you know, we're Catholic. We don't do abortion. And my, I kind of told her my whole conversion story and said, absolutely, 100% on mm-hmm. the same page. So we tried and we, and we reasoned with her and she had told her family and it was just too much for them to overcome the fact of their sophomore daughter having a child. And so um, mm. it was a bit of a Pontius Pilate moment for me because in my heart of hearts, I knew that mm. I, we, we were literally saying like no obligations, no financial obligations, nothing, just have the baby and we'll take care of the child. Wow. And um, kind of did everything we could, but she chose to have the abortion. Mm, and so, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's part of my story. So. This is, um, gosh, I wish we had three hours because yep. I want to go down that for a second. Um, how, do you, how do you cope with that loss? Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you think of that kid with the Lord now? I mean, how, how yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's not, it's often not given credence to that there are men, a lot of men who are grieving that. True, yeah, the focus is not typically be on the men but mm-hmm. one thing that was kind of a healing experience just in the last probably five years is about you know about five or six years ago i went to confession with a priest um father don up in fort collins mm. and father, father don, don somehow it came out oh, yeah father, father don guy, yeah 
And it came out about my story. I don't remember how it came out. And he goes, well, did you, did you name the child? And I said, no, I never did. Wow. I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. It was still within the first trimester. Wow. And he said, your, I was confessing something else, but I come out with this penance. And he says, I, I want you to spend a 24-hour retreat praying about and discerning what to name your child. Oh, my god! And gosh, so I had to go down to the Sacred Heart you know, Jesuit Retreat Center for 24 hard hours by myself. Um, Wow, which is where you grow. You know, it's it's when you have to oh, face yeah. yourself. I and, am a mountain, and your and your your choices in life. Yeah, yeah. and so um, and so yeah, I I came away with that, and have since you know named my child Joey because I didn't know mm. if it was a boy or a girl, and I felt wow. like that was a name that worked either way, <laughs> and kind of said a prayer, and really kind of my had my own kind of closure with the whole experience. So oh, that's incredible. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, if, if you've been through that. Do what he did. That's that's mighty. A lot of times yeah. we just move move past those kinds of pains. Right. Well, like the, the quote I started with, I'm, I'm a mountain in God. Yeah. You experience that kind of thing, and you want to just brush that aside or get past yeah. life's limit. You got to go. You got to climb that if you want to grow closer to the Lord. Amen. Incredible. So uh, you go from this this whole experience um, where and this is where it gets good. Yeah. Okay. Good. You came you came into a relationship with with yeah. the Lord in yeah. the context of community, real community where there was preaching of the gospel. Yeah. And, and what drives me crazy as a Catholic evangelist is that that's not everyone's experience when they go into a Catholic church. Right. And I thank God for our, for our Protestant brothers and sisters. We're in an evangelical church. It's very frequently the first experience. Mm-hmm. And we need to learn from that. You know? yeah. and, and, uh, and quick quick tangent. While we're going to go into eventually, maybe we won't get to it today, maybe the next time, his conversion to Catholicism, there's a whole lot more that unites us with our Protestant brothers and sisters than divides us. And by a whole lot more, I mean an infinite amount more, which is the person of Jesus Christ and eternity together. Yep. So uh, how did you go from that to so this a, is what's great. a pastor? So, so uh, God's grace is, is, uh, is real. It's palpable. Mm. And, and in my life, it's been very palpable. And here's mm. an example of that. Like the last thing I felt like I deserved after that experience was like being picked up from Boulder and moved to Hawaii, which is exactly what happened. <laughs> so talk about like a prodigal son, wow. right? Like you come home and he throws a party. He like I went it. through that and then he just overdid it. He went, you got to get out of Boulder. You need community. You need fellowship. You need, you know, wow. a little bit more. I needed to just kind of get space from that life that I was in. Wow. So my best friend, childhood best friend, uh, we went to school together. He had graduated from high school. We transferred. I transferred to Hawaii Pacific University. And the Lord just directed my path to a really great uh, Bible teaching church, very praise-oriented, praise, praise oriented, mm. praise-filled, local Hawaiians on their guitars. Mm. I needed Lord, that season, you know. Lord, everyone call me to, <laughs> yeah, to it was the a end season. of the earth, I'll go. <laughs> Suffering for Jesus in Hawaii, right? <laughs> Someone's got to go. I guess I'll go. <laughs> But no, that was really where I learned discipleship. I mean, I was wow. in, a, in a solid, solid church called Hope Chapel, Pastor Ralph Moore, and um, just learned how to learn scripture. I mean, the wow. emphasis on Bible teaching, right? Of memorizing scripture, grounding your life in scripture, and and praise and worship too. Those are two, you know, kind of your left and right hand in the, in the evangelical church. And, and so, and all happened in the context of a community that yeah. actually knows your name. When you go in the Absolutely. doors of that of that church, Absolutely. and that's compelling stuff. I mean, that's that's Christianity one hundred and one, right? Uh, but yeah, so you experience this, yes, and and you know, I think that's there's something for us, like you said, to learn from. Mm-hmm. And and here's a good example: like the whole orientation of an evangelical Protestant church is to evangelize. The whole orientation of everything. Mm-hmm. Like I was just in Newport Beach um, 
And we went to a church called Mariner's Church. And from the time you step on the property, there are signs that say, welcome, we're glad you're here. Wow. Right? And the first 50 parking spots are reserved for first-time visitors. My gosh, that's awesome. At my parish, the first 10 spots are reserved for clergy. Yeah, that's a problem. If that doesn't bother you, like, yeah, seriously. Our like, priorities The are whole off, orientation man. is off. Yep. Now, God bless our clergy. I don't want them to have to walk far away from the church. No, I hear you. I hear you. But you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, the, the mindset of the parish, of the whole, yep. of the whole church community is... There's going to be people who haven't donned the door of a church in 20 years that are going to be coming this weekend. Mm-hmm. Let's love them like Christ would love them. Let's be let's the hands and feet in. of Jesus. Yes, and let's not, you know? uh, that, that core gospel message, that's not something you graduate from any right. more than a married right. couple graduates from the fact that they took <clears throat> vows. Yeah. Like yeah. the whole marriage is actually about the right. vows. Right. The whole relationship is about the fact that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and died for yeah. you and gave his life for you, wants you to give your life back. That's, that's yeah. why we have all that is Catholicism. Uh, Pope Francis and Evangelic Gaudium. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my favorite Francis uh, paragraph in Evangelii Gaudium is um, that the, the primary proclamation is primary, not because we move past it, but because it underlies everything. Mm. And we have to hear it again and again, that Jesus yeah. Christ loves you. He gave his life for you. He died yeah, for there's you. a lot of talk these days, especially in my world, in like the Catholic marketing world, about innovation. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, like, the least innovative thing we need is like another online bookstore. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the most innovative thing we can do right now is preach Christ crucified. Let's get back to basics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's get back to basics. 100%. Yeah. You know? And and I think we're on the right path with the emphasis on the kerygma, yeah. the life, the death and the resurrection of Christ. That is the gospel. That's it. Right? It's the everything. And let's just focus on that. Yeah. So So, so anyway, you, so you go from there to go, to go to Hawaii and here's how here's how the pastor thing started. I had such great mentors that were my pastors that after doing that for a while. So this is one of these defining moments. Every summer in college, I would come home and work at the Federal Reserve Bank downtown Denver. I had this great internship. Yep. They offered me a job at the start of my senior year, and I accepted the job because I thought, oh, just coast my senior year in Hawaii, surf every day. Um, yeah. I, got a, I got a great job. And so I took the job. Well, God had other plans. Yeah. <laughs> I was surfing one day with my buddy at, at Diamond Head, and I was out there kind of as I would usually do. I'd spend some time kind of by myself in prayer and just talking and to the Lord and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go be an investment banker. That's what I wanted to do. Mm. Make a lot of money, but be an investment banker. And I felt like the Lord was helping me to follow the speaker wire back to the source of my mm. motivation. So you want to make an investment with your life? I'm like, yes, I do. Well, why don't you put your, your, your life into things that will last forever? And mm. I was like, well, what's that? I'm like, well, God, his word, and people's souls. Yeah. You know? And it was in that moment that I got like, my calling into ministry. Wow. And I knew right then and there, like, God was calling me to ministry. And so I paddled in. My buddy Matt was waiting for me on the beach. I said, take me home. I got to go, go turn down my job that I had already accepted. <laughs> so I made two calls. I called my mom, and I called the bank. So the, the call to the mom was like, are you crazy? Like, yeah. <laughs> use common sense, right? Back to how yeah. a mom oh, would yeah. be, right? Oh, like, yeah. You never quit yeah. a job unless you have something else lined up. I had nothing else lined up. I just knew the Lord was calling me. That's how it works, man. So then I call the bank, and God's yeah. like, you got to let go of that too before I reveal the next step. So I call oh, up Tom. That's, I, Lord, I call that's up, annoying. I call up you Tom. You do that. Yeah, he does that. I call up Tom Bennett, uh, assistant vice president of the bank. I'm like, Tom, I'm not sure how to tell you this. And I pause, and he goes, you got another offer. And I'm like, Sort of. <laughs> Again, another pause. And he goes, are they, are they offering you more money? I said, no. I said, I feel like I'm being called by God to go into ministry. And then there's this awkward pause. And he goes, I can't compete with that. He wow. goes, I wish you all the best. You know. 
God bless him. Yeah. So anyway, so that was the, and then the very next weekend at church, I go to New Hope and I would, I was on like the setup team, just helping people set up for church. And my pastor called me over and he said, we've been watching you and you have some gifts, some great gifts. And we Mm. want to invite you to be an intern after you graduate. We'll pay for you to go to graduate school to get your Bible college, like a master's. And I was like, that's, that's the door I need to walk through. Wow. That's how I got started. I mean, really, there's a talk about learning in ministry, uh, from community and praise and worship yep. to um, recognizing someone's gift. It's taking time to recognize, mm-hmm. plucking them out, raising them up. Right. And um, I mean, again, there's, there's so much that can happen in the Catholic world that's not just become a priest. Right. You know, for the many people who are not called to that, like we should be looking for and plucking them up, you know, and yeah. saying, do X. Let's empower people. Uh, okay, so he became a, uh, yeah, became a so pastor. Yeah, two years of, of grad school and got a master's, and then I started uh, as a college pastor with New Hope, New Hope Christian Fellowship. Awesome. Which at the time is is still the largest church in Hawaii, about twenty five thousand members. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Every weekend. Wow. About six services. You know, one of those they meet in a high school. Yeah. They don't have yeah. their own building and. Okay. Yeah. So from there, back to being a pastor in Colorado. Yep. So it went from Hawaii, California, Colorado. We don't have to do that, but yeah doing ministry, all those places. Yeah, okay. Okay, so um, so the, the, the Colorado part was God yeah. continuing to lead you <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in ways that you didn't foresee. Right, yeah. Uh, back to the Catholic Church, back to yeah. where you started. Um, tell us about that part of the sure. journey. Because sure. you had a thriving I'll ministry I'll try to make this here. quick because it's long. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, had a, had a thriving ministry. I was an associate pastor at Pathways Church, and we were at uh, the Temple Event Center downtown Denver. Okay. Which is only about a couple blocks from the cathedral, yeah. you know, and uh, and I was a single associate pastor. I wasn't wasn't married, hadn't met my wife yet, and uh, had bought a house in Denver in Congress Park and was renting out a couple of bedrooms to two younger guys who were evangelical Christians, mm. and um, and so over time, uh, Scott and Mark, now Father Scott and Mark, who's the director of evangelization for the Diocese of Madison, okay. started to go through a Catholic conversion right before my eyes. And I did everything I could to try to stop it. Wow. They start leaving books about St. Augustine and the Church Fathers, the Desert Fathers, all these different what books around get, the house. What was getting them? What was the vacuum? You know, they kind of, Sucking I mean, they're just a lot smarter than I am. So they, were, they caught on to it sooner. But yeah. I had had the same discontent. They were studying their way into it. And I had the same discontent about authority and why are there churches on every corner yeah. and why is there so much splintering and division if we all read the same Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, those were really the the key themes: authority. You know, but I always say that like most most Protestants have like four or five barriers to entry to the Catholic Church: Mary, mm. uh, you know, Mary, probably the Pope, you know, mm. sacred tradition. You know, there's not too many, like you said earlier, not too many things that we we di- we err on or differ on, but it's yeah. it's a handful of core doctrines. They're important that, things. Yeah, right? very important. It's not, uh, it's, it's not as uh, infinitely massive as what unites us, but they're, they're not insignificant right. either. Yeah. Um, and it, and if, if true, they're, they're, they're not things you want to brush aside because yeah. you're, you're a disciple of the Lord, yeah. right? So, so, as, so as Scott would tell you, I sat both of them down as an older brother and I felt yeah. responsible to do my duty, which yeah. is to say, guys, look, I grew up Catholic. They're going to put the cart before the horse and make this about religion before relationship. And, like, let me give you five good reasons not to become Catholic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we had that conversation. They were super humble. They received it, but they kept started starting to go to Archbishop's And how do you Mass. respond to the valid uh, concern that we do forget 
the kerygma, the core message of the, the gospel, often in our, in our strategic rollout of this to like kids, for instance. Mm-hmm. It was your experience. Yeah. You got religious obligations before anyone really preached the gospel right. to you. Um, so that, that does happen. Yes. And yet, we, and love, yet, we, love, we love the church. So um, yep. how, how do you answer that, that charge that, uh, that people are always putting religion before relationship? That's probably a conversation for another day. Yeah, it might, might last an hour, Ron, right there, <laughs> just, dude. No, seriously. No, I think it, I, you know, and, and hopefully our viewers know this too, that it really starts in the home. You know, yeah, you've yeah. got to just tell the story. You've yeah. got to share the story. You've got to show the story. You've got to whiteboard the story. I whiteboard for my kids all the Beautiful. time. Beautiful. You've got you to just talk about yeah. the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus yeah. more, you know, to try to make that connection. So, you know, they say the average person has to, Kind of be evangelized six or seven times before same, it'll make you same rules marketing, dude. Right? right? You know, you got to yeah. kind of you got to keep hearing. Yeah, yeah. And then throughout life, again and again. We're so otherwise, there's no context for them to care about the rest, right? Right. Uh, and uh, you know, and I, obviously, I'd say that uh, just because a lot of Catholics are doing it wrong, frankly, I think that that's an error. Right. Uh, to go straight to the obligation doesn't mean the obligations are irrelevant yeah. or bad. Yeah. You know, it's, and sometimes yeah. it's what it's the very bad thing that brings you back. That yeah. you have those those rituals. But it's kind of like them. parenting. You know, they always say like rules without relationship lead mm-hmm. to rebellion. And mm-hmm. I love that. You know, I think mm-hmm. about that when I'm raising my four kids. Like rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Yeah. And so how do you put that relationship it's first? Powerful. How do you convince them that I love you no matter what? Mm. You know what I mean? There's nothing you can do to make me love you more and nothing you can do to make me love you less. Mm. You have kids. It's just true. But to get them to believe that, right, you have to mm. deliver on that promise. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and, that's, th- and I think it helps them to believe in God if you, if you model that a little bit better, right? Mm. But the problem is, is that we end up making God in our own image, you know? Yeah. Blaise Pascal said that. He said, God made man in his own image and then man returned the compliment. And then God ends up looking just as cranky and bitter and unforgiving and prideful yeah. and, and resentful as we are, yep. right? Yep. And then religion becomes something yeah. that seems miserable. So if we don't, if we don't heal our image of God, mm. it's like hitting a golf ball off the tee. If you're off just a few degrees at impact, dude, you're going to end up way out in the rough, right? out of bounds, wherever. Like you have to get God right. And mm. Jesus came to reveal the Father. And what does he reveal? He doesn't judge. He mm. says, judge not. Mm. He... You know, I mean, he's just, he, he literally, you know, embodies God the Father. Calls us People caught us. in sin, he says, let him who's without sin throw the first stone. Yes. Right? He, he says yes. that, you know, he doesn't, but Paul says in the Spirit, love is patient and kind. Like, I can't, I haven't even told you my whole story, and I'm not going to in this interview, but there's a lot more to it. I'd like to be able to say, hey, I slept with that girl, and she had an abortion, and I never slept with another girl again. Guess what? Yeah. I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like sin, it takes a while to get free from the vices in our life. Yeah. But, like... I don't know what you're talking about. I'm you can, must not. I, I mean, had about a week where I was know? like, these vices are stupid. <laughs> and you they're, know? Gone. they're gone. But, yeah, I mean, guys, I mean, not just guys, but, like, everyone knows that that's a real, real battle. Like, it's not the one and done. It's a process. And, yeah. and I'm so encouraged by, by the late singer-songwriter Rich Mullins. I don't mm. know if you remember him. He wrote... Uh, Gosh, so many great. The song he's most known for probably is "Awesome God," which isn't my favorite oh, yeah. song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he but, rolls up his sleeves, but, he ain't just put right, on the ritz. Right. Like, dude, but he's got songs back like when we like, weren't afraid to be cheesy because right? we just love the Lord. But he had "Hold Me, Jesus." He had these amazing. Uh, there songs. are some incredible but songs. But Rich man. talked a lot about because he was very rough yeah. around the edges and raw yeah. and and not not there yet. And um, I think it was really hard for him to to be in the role he was in. But mm. but so encouraged by his faith and how he lived and. 
my whole point is is that you know we have to get God right. That God, that we are God's beloved children, and mm. He's well pleased. That is the de- the deepest identity that defines yes. us is God's love. Even JP two talked about you're not the sum of your pluses and minuses. Yes, you know what I mean. I, I I'm kind of mind blown because I yeah. uh, before you came, I was just reading Ephesians two. You said mind blown again. I did. I said mind blown. <laughs> I'm never gonna say it. When he sat down with me before the interview, he's like, "You say mind blown a lot." I'm like, I thought you'd ruin it for me, but I still said it. My oh, mind good. is blown. Dude, do it. Ephesians, Ephesians two, because um, this is. I'm, I'm so glad the Lord called you. Uh, I, lo- I love the way you describe it. Like if if, a, if this priest or this parish wasn't doing it right, he was going to get the message to me, and he eventually led you back to home to the Catholic Church. Uh, but this fundamental message is so yeah. important to get right, and, that's and the rest what, leads that's to rebellion. What I, that's what I personally. I don't know about for everyone else, but yeah. I I just you know my parents love me. I, I can't really explain the disconnect of why I didn't feel lovable, which yeah. was usually the the root behind why I would act out or mm. look for love in the wrong places or yes. in the arms of some some woman, you know, it was just, it was it was trying to convince myself that I was lovable, mm. you know, and if I got a response, then I must be, right? Mm. And so the Lord really had to try to set me free from that. And one of the most healing books that I read was called Life of the Beloved by Henry Nowen. And I was on a beach, okay. I'll never forget this, I was in Hawaii kind of kind of healing in a sense through all this and something clicked in me where I just chose to believe that I was God's beloved son. Oh, and not God. only that he loved me, I also heard God whisper that he liked me. Now because, that's, a, because that's theologically, next, next like, theologically God kind of has to love you. Yeah, you're I'm like, that doesn't job. make me special. God is love, mm-hmm. right? He has to love me. Yes. But to know that he likes me, man, mm. that really set me free to know that I could be myself and to stop trying to be Brother Teresa, which I had tried to be for about 10 years, to be perfect. Yeah. And uh, that I was free to be human. Thanks for stopping it, that. Because it's holy to be human. Yeah. And uh, that's really kind of put me on a path of just being a more authentic person. Mm. You know. I'm going to end with this scripture quote, and then we're gonna we're gonna have you back to continue the conversion story and how the Lord kept Shoot, leading man, you. I'm sorry, we didn't quite get there. No, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> okay. get we're gonna get there. So keep watching this, and, and tune in next week. We're gonna continue the conversation. But this is, this is what I looked up before you came. I wasn't sure why this was so heavy in my heart, but in Ephesians chapter 2, because it's about getting that, that fundamental relationship right first. Um, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You, you were dead. You were dead, okay? And it continues in, in uh, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And then in verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we're God's masterpiece. Hmm. He obviously likes what he made. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, we, we, if we don't get this right, guys, the stuff of religion that we do, every ritual every, and the stuff of Catholic ethics, these things are not unimportant at all, Okay. But we don't do these things so that we might earn his love. We do these things because he loved us. Hmm. This is not just splitting hairs. If you do these things because you think you're earning your salvation, that's literally a different religion. That's not Christian. That's not what Jesus revealed to us on the cross of the Father's love for us. Um, it, it's, it, and it's, it's condemned heresy, literally. It's, it's, it's Pelagianism. It's this thinking that you are climbing toward God by your own strength and power I earned my salvation. Cardinal Cantonese put it very beautifully. I did this digital retreat with him. That um, check it out on our on our website, reallifecatholic.com. It's a, it's a retreat with Cantonese. He's been the preacher of the popes since John Paul II. 
And he, and he said salvation, like receiving salvation is like receiving your physical life. A baby didn't earn its body. <laughs> now, a baby <laughs> has to do things with its body to stay alive. It has to move its lungs. It has to suck milk. And here's, here's where we might differentiate from a lot of our evangelical brothers and sisters. Uh, and Calvinists, that, that this idea of once saved, you say the sinner's prayer, it's it. You know. No, we, we believe we have to keep cooperating and remaining in his grace uh, or we can throw it away. Uh, but the fact that you have to do things to stay in his life doesn't mean you earned it. And when you get that wrong, mm. you're, on a, you're on a path of a relationship with a conditionally loving father, which is a, a religion that eventually leads to rebellion because you don't feel loved in it. <sighs> I just had to get that off my chest. Is that Absolutely. okay that I just grabbed the floor and did Absolutely. that for a minute? Did, did, Absolutely. Did I, Tim Gray, Preach. watching, did I commit heresy? <laughs> Tim, if you could please text in... <laughs> No, but I, I think a lot of people are getting this wrong in their effort to differentiate ourselves theologically from, you know, here's yeah. what we don't agree with evangelicals on. And then we end up sounding like a different faith right. entirely. Can I say one thing about yeah, that? Yeah, buddy, please. One, one thing that, I, that kind of concerns me a little bit in the church is, is that I, I almost feel like people are more in love with their understanding of Jesus mm. than they are with Jesus. Mm. In other words, we, we intellectualize the faith sometimes so much to an extent that it's about, you know, not that, not that theology isn't important, you know, oh, true, totally. but, but true yeah. theology leads to doxology, you know, it leads to Amen. praise, it leads Amen. to worship, you know. Amen. So I think we just have to fall in love with the person and not just yes. things about the person. First things right? first, fall in love with yeah. that person. You know, uh, it's like I, I can learn facts about the ocean, but I'd rather dive in. Exactly. Not that the biology of the ocean is unimportant. Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to wrap up. We will see you next week. I'm going to try to continue this conversation. We're going to have you back. God bless cool. you guys. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.